Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media trainer and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, the multimedia blog providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Nicole D'Andrea from Nicobella Organics, makers of vegan organic dark chocolate truffles in Atlanta, Georgia. Since launching their truffles in late 2009, Nicobella, which combines the names of Nicole and her toy poodle Isabella, have created more healthy treats with their munch line and peanut butter squares. Nicole is a registered dietitian and yoga instructor with a passion for bringing healthy plant-based ethical treats to people and believes dark chocolate should be its own food group. (laughs) I think many of us would agree with that. In this interview, Nicole talks about price versus quality, the dilemma between producing products cheaper but lower quality, or pricing them higher and maintaining high quality. How outsourcing parts of the business allows it to grow. The importance of creating a community around your brand. The types of email content that, perhaps surprisingly, get more open and click-through rates, and much more. Here's the interview with Nicole D'Andrea from Nicobella Organics. For me personally, the the drive is connecting with other vegan businesses and inspiring people to eat more plant-based foods. And um, I feel like a lot of people are inspired by their health. So, you know, there are folks who who want to do more plant-based because of ethical reasons, and then there are others who want to eat healthier for for their own, whether it's their health, their appearance, whatever it might be. so if it's through that, great, then it's still ultimately getting to the end result that we want, which is helping more animals, the environment, and, and people, of course, and helping them be more healthy. So basically the biggest, uh, the biggest um, motivator for me is just inspiring people to go towards more plant-based foods. Fantastic, fantastic. And talking on the subject of plant-based foods, I don't know if you find this, but I know in, in some cases, um, some of the time the vegan food, um, even more so if it's you know organic and sustainable, it, it's more expensive because it's not subsidised. Um, you know, whereas obviously some uh, animal-based or non-green uh, food is. How do you deal if you do find it a challenge? How do you deal with a challenge to stay competitive and attract clients? Uh, it's the biggest challenge, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's a challenge every day that I, that, um, I try to work with. And right now, we are um, working with a manufacturer. What we're trying to do is combine our ingredients. I'm working with another manufacturer. We're trying to combine our ingredients so that we have larger volume to get better price breaks. Um but it is the biggest challenge of my business is getting those prices down. And, you know, I've been asked several times to lower the price. And my answer is I've got the option of either, lower, you know, going for the, the lesser quality non-organic options or keeping with the same quality and keeping the price up there. And, you know, I don't want to compromise our standards. So what we're doing is just trying to link up with other manufacturers, buy in bulk in hopes of getting better pricing until those prices you know, hopefully eventually decrease. 
That's fantastic. That sounds like an innovative thing. And I know a couple of people have said sort of similar things. It's that, you know, because they're buying smaller quantities, it, it works out more expensive. So that, that's interesting you say that. Is it something you use as a marketing tool then to kind of, or like to explain to customers, look, this is why it, it's more expensive because of X or because of these reasons or, or not? Um, you know, I need to do a better job in, in um, marketing it online and through our social media outlets and, and putting it into writing so that we can reach a... I'm sure there are a lot of people who are reading about the product and just see the price and turn away without seeing why we're, why it's a little bit more expensive. Um, but when we're doing in-person events, that's typically when I'm able to explain to people and educate them about the product, and that's where they understand. And um, it just happened this last weekend. Somebody you know, was trying to talk me down on price and saying, you need to be lower. I'd buy 10 of your products versus one if it was lower. And, you know, I just explained it's just what I said to you. I said, you know, it's, it's either compromise the quality until the price comes down, but it's something that we try to work with every day. And she understood and appreciated that, but at the same time, it does limit our sales. So when I'm in person, I can I feel like, you know, we can educate them a little bit better when we're doing demonstrations with the chocolate. But online, we definitely need to do a better job with letting them know this is why it's a little bit more pricey. Right, right, got it. Yeah, cool, that's great. So nowadays, you know, I guess perhaps more than ever, there's there's a lot of extra demands on a business owner's time, you know, as well as their sort of everyday workings in the business and the administration. We've now got social media accounts to maintain and, and all of that can feel a bit overwhelming. Um, I'm just wondering, I'm curious, how do you, how do you cope with this and, and what advice would you give to others in regards to this overwhelm, I guess particularly those starting out on their vegan business journey? It is challenging. Um, there are ways where I start a plan, and that plan, I, I don't have a chance to look at that plan until 10 o'clock at night. Um, so it's like, you know, what did I do during the day that I was supposed to do? Because you end up putting out fires and handling, like you said, administrative stuff and online social media and customer requests and, you know, just the day-to-day activities kind of get in the way of the, the broader business plan. And, um and it's all good. It's all going in the right direction. But at the same time, you have to learn how to really work efficiently. So one of the things that, that has been challenging for me is the social media component and not spending too much time on it. So I try to, um, you know, link all of our social media outlets so that, you know, one post goes out and then it's done. And, you know, we, we don't go back to it until the next day, which is sometimes challenging to do. Um, the other is to outsource. So one of the things that has been really helpful for for us is when I first started the company, I was making all of the chocolates by hand. So we were renting a kitchen and making the chocolate, packaging it, getting it out to our customers. And then the next day we'd have to start over again and do the same thing. And that we were never going to grow that way. So one thing that... Um, I've done from a manufacturing perspective is outsource the chocolate. So we have somebody now making and packaging the chocolate and we're now in our final phase of them where we're getting them, we're turning over the distribution to them. So once they handle everything, of course, it cuts into your margin and they're much smaller, but that's where it allows you to grow and get out to more people and focus more on the marketing and demoing, getting the product out there, education through social media and then in-person demos. Um, so that's been the biggest help. That's really great. And I guess that, that kind of leads on to what my next question was around that whole idea of, you know, uh, spending time 
uh, on your business and not just in it. So like you say, you're kind of going through that treadmill of, you know, making the, the chocolate and sending it out and you're not able to grow. And it sounds like you, you did that quite organically. You recognized that earlier on and, and now you're spending some of your time more kind of looking at the bigger picture, like you say, the marketing and the the other side of it. So that, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very, very important. Helpful. We've also, one other thing that, that we've done that's been extremely helpful is um, not so much during the summer for us, we have such a seasonal item that I have a little bit more time to do social media and blogging during the summer. But um, during when once the fall hits, you know, October through through May tends to be our, our busiest season, or October through February at least. And um, we end up, we typically look for an intern who um, specializes in nutrition so that, you know, our focus is from, you know, with the plant whole food space and um, we try to look for folks who are obviously compassionate as well and environmentally friendly and we'll get an intern on board and they'll handle a lot of our social media and blogging while we're doing all of the other stuff, getting the chocolate out and making it for the holidays. So that's been helpful as well. That's a great idea and that's a win-win, I guess, isn't it? Because they're getting the experience and uh, an expertise from you and you're you're getting that done. So that's that's great. Excellent. Very you're very innovative and, uh, you know, in your, your strategies. It's, it's really great. Um, <laughs> It sounds good, but it's day to day. It's not always like that, but it sounds good, right? <laughs> um, Nicole, uh, I know you've mentioned a little bit of it. What were some of your key challenges when first starting up your business? I I'm what was that question? Could you oh, sorry. Um, I was just asking, what were some of, I know you've touched on the, the time aspect, but what were some of your other key challenges when you first started up your business? The key time starting up to it? Yeah, so what what were some of your key challenges when oh, you were first beginning? Yeah, when you were got first it, got beginning. Got it, got it, got it. Sorry about that. Um, so, you know, I think it was just not knowing the food business. My background is in nutrition, and um, I was very... I was, I was really coming from a nutrition angle and being very naive, thinking that, you know, like I knew what I wanted in a chocolate product, not knowing how challenging... It was not just to make chocolate, but to work in the food business with, with um, limited funds. We bootstrapped from the beginning and um, <clears throat> with limited funds trying to compete with the other chocolate companies. And, you know, when I first started, uh, I, I started making chocolate in my kitchen seven years ago. I actually launched the company five years ago. Still five years ago, there were very limited amounts of vegan chocolate companies and, and chocolate companies in general. And now they're just, you know... From chocolate makers to chocolate, you know, from from chocolate TAs, they're they're just you know every week there's another one popping up. So um, from the beginning till now, I think because we bootstrapped, is kind of standing out amongst the competition. It's been it's been challenging just because we have limited resources, and then knowing the food business and the chocolate business. I mean, um, thankfully the 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 um our colleagues in the food business have gone to uh the, the biggest help I think to get through these challenges was going to some of the food trade shows, the fancy food show if you're familiar with that and other um natural food shows and just networking with as many people as you can to and asking questions and not feeling dumb, you know, initially, um, it was just, I was so naive, you know, I would have gone to a big chocolate manufacturer when I'm producing 
you know, 100 pieces of chocolate and saying, can you make my chocolate or can you help me make my chocolate? And they'd look at me like I had three heads. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, but ultimately they would end up, they were honestly, you know, I'm very thankful that everyone has been really uh, forthcoming with information and help. And, you know, here's my card, here's my email, email me, I'll lead you in the right direction. So the biggest, um, the biggest help to those challenges in getting and moving forward is really networking with people and asking as many questions as possible. And they've really all led me in the right direction. So the food community has been just so valuable in, in that respect. That's really good to hear because I guess one of the things I was going to ask was around this whole, because a lot of marketing uh, experts nowadays are saying, you know, don't think of uh, people in the same field as you as your competitors. It's all about collaboration now. And I think you've kind of touched on that with, with that. that. So that, that, that's actually really good to hear. And, and you mentioned that it was um, like when you first started, there weren't too many vegan chocolate manufacturers and now there are. And I think that's an, an interesting thing. It's like how then do you stand out? Um, within the vegan business arena, so not just in the kind of uh, the general one, right? And it's- yeah, that's that is so challenging. Um, you know, and we we have felt that from a sales perspective. You know, there are so many options now that you really do need to stand out. Um, one of the things is, you know, I always look at the competition. I, I buy my competition's chocolate and you know try it and see what they're doing. And um, I think it's good just to kind of keep an eye on it and see what everybody's doing. But everyone has their – every small company has their own personality and their own brand. So just staying true to yourself. For me, it's been good just to kind of see what they're doing, but just still to follow my own passion and, and create a brand. So our – you know, our thing is – my personal passion is, is plant-based eating, but it's really um, given back to the animal community. So it's really ethically driven as well. So I feel like with with ours, I'm, I'm trying to focus more not just on chocolate, but but all around like um, uh, compassion and healthy eating and you know staying uh, taking care of the environment. So it's more of a lifestyle company. So I'm trying to focus more on the lifestyle because that that's truly my personal passion rather than just focusing on making chocolate and having everything be all about chocolate. Um, um, so that's kind of the angle. I'm creating a community. I mean, that's been a really fun and amazing part and inspiring part of it is creating a community and like-minded people who are following you on your social media outlets who have the same interest and that's kind of what drives us and, and, and in that same direction. Fantastic. So how do you get people, because I guess this is one of the challenges, and I think all of us, you know, who, who are sort of running our own businesses, um, that find that is that how we get people to kind of stop and take notice of our businesses in a world that's kind of full of, you know, lots of notifications here and messages and offers and kind of flashy lights without feeling like we're harassing them. You know, there's that kind of fine line between, you know, kind of coming across as pushy and sell, sell, um, but at the same time getting yourself out there because that's what, what you've got to do. Right. I agree. I'm, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, if I find that, you know, try to watch the response to social media and, and see what works. And we've actually just changed our strategy there because sometimes uh, exactly what you just mentioned, uh, kind of amidst all of the business and day-to-day things, is, you know, you realize you need to sustain the business and you have to sell. So I'll, for example, run sales and it'll just be just about the sale. So I might send out a newsletter and promote it on social media and we do not get any response. It doesn't work. And, um, but then if I do it through 
you know, for me, it's kind of like putting out a fire. I'm like, okay, we have a lot of chocolate. We have a lot of inventory. We have to get a sale. So if I just post that, it's it's not very effective. But if I take a step back, you know, if they do a yoga practice and meditate for a while and really kind of get back in tune with my real source and the real reason why I'm doing this business and, you know, write something about that. It could be about meditation or compassion or, you know, healthy eating, something a little bit more meaningful that has quality content that came from the heart and then kind of post a sale at the end of that, then it seems to grab their attention much more. But it's it's challenging to do at times sometimes when, you you know, you're running around trying to do things with business (laughs) and tap into that. Um, So I find that, that tacking on, you know, some kind of quality content when you're relating to people and speaking, you know, having a conversation with them seems to be a lot more effective than just trying to throw a sale in the face saying, you know, our chocolate are on sale. It's not as, as motivating for them and as, um, you know, as inspiring to them. So. Absolutely. I could definitely relate to that. I, I find that as well. My open rates and click-through rates are far better on my emails when I'm kind of, you know, revealing a bit about myself or it's not just this, oh, this is really cool, go and check it out kind of thing. So right. I think people are getting savvy, I think. I think we're kind of getting, we're all a bit on a board at being sold to and getting these pushy, hard sell kind of things. So I think we're all kind of responding to more authentic and genuine um, yeah. communication. Yeah. So that that's great. That's good to hear. That's uh, a trend. Yeah. Um, Nicole, are you a solo? Like, if you, have you got staff? Do you employ any, any staff? I know you mentioned outsourcing, but um, do you actually have like employees and staff working for you in the company? I don't. I don't. Um, yeah. So the that's part of the reason why I wanted to um, outsource the chocolate making component, so uh, it could free me up to do. The the reason I started the company was pretty much what we've been discussing. It's because of my passion for whole plant based foods and um, cruelty free, you know, products and, and animals and um it's it's really over the past five years, because I've been working so much in the business, it's been hard to stay on top of what my true passion is. So now that I'm outsourcing the chocolate making component, I'm hoping to be able to go back to the roots of the company and bring, you know, more people on board and build a larger community through Nita Bella um, to, to kind of get on board with that, that same mission. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been challenging, but the interns and my fiance and family have been called upon many times. And uh, last year, last December, when we were making a tra- transition into our new manufacturing facility, they said they could make the chocolate, but they couldn't package it yet. They weren't ready to take it all on. So from November and December, it was uh, my fiance and random people I grabbed off the street practically around the, <laughs> at the events. And I was like, everyone's got to come in and help, help package for the holidays. It's kind of like last minute. So, you know, in certain circumstances, it's just kind of bringing people on board to help out to kind of put out fires and then... Uh, and then it's back to solo again. But the manufacturing um, outsourcing has been a huge help. Fantastic. No, it sounds it. Um, so what I'm getting from, I'm getting very much getting a sense you're a very self-aware um, kind of person, uh, which is, is awesome. And, and what I'm learning is that many business owners say that running and owning their business is the fastest and most effective form of personal development because you're kind of forced to, to grow. Um, mm-hmm. what, qualities, what qualities do you believe are essential to staying the course and running uh, you know, a, a successful vegan business? Hmm. Um, 
I think, you know, taking a step back from, again, similar to what we've been talking about, but uh, taking a step back maybe once every, I want to say once every week, but really that's challenging, like maybe once every two weeks and, and seeing the larger picture and looking at the strategy and figuring out what direction you need to go in order to grow, if that indeed is what you want. But then also, you know, I mean, you really need to look at the, the end result and where you want to grow. For me, I don't, I don't, my goal is not to be a multi-million dollar company. It's to be a lifestyle business that can sustain itself and sustain, you know, me and, and, um, you know, my fiance and I have kids, you know, our kids are, you know, just to support the family. And, um, so that's my personal goal. So kind of like working backwards from there and seeing the larger picture and, and where you want to go so that, you're not spinning your wheels day to day trying to get to a place that may not be the right place for you. Um, yeah, and and for me, from a day to day basis, honestly, if I didn't if I didn't wake up early in the morning and practice a little yoga and meditation, I probably would get nowhere really fast. Like that kind of sets the pace of the day just to kind of sit back and kind of clear the slate because as you work into your day, there's just so many things going on at one time that you kind of lose sight of that, that bigger picture and, and why you're doing everything. So, um, you know, just kind of turning everything off for a moment, being silent and letting it all resonate and, and clearing the space so that you could see it a little bit more clearly is very helpful to do in the morning for me personally. Right. Yeah, fantastic. That makes a lot of sense. In terms of kind of the qualities that people need to, to run their own business, um, I'm, I'm curious, what, what kind of uh, qualities do people need? Because you've, really, you've outlined some great practices there, like the, the yoga, and I think you mentioned um, meditation earlier. Um, what about just the kind of qualities that you need to develop in yourself in order to stay the course? Like a couple of people have said resilience or being persistent kind of thing. Is there anything along those lines that you, you, you think is, is necessary to, to be able able to be a business owner, which is a very different thing to being employed. Yes, and, and, and I do agree with what others have said is the resilience and persistence because if kids get, you know, 10 negative responses or no's to if it's a product or a service, whatever you're doing, you get you may get 10 to every one yes or probably even more no's to every yes. So I think it's not getting discouraged and... Um, be persistent, not taking anything personally, because as you know, with your own business, it's pretty much an extension of yourself, and you know your brand is you. So anything that happens through the business is it's easy to take it personally and and get discouraged. Um, so I think maintaining um, just positivity through it all as well, uh, and which is really challenging to do, whether it's through positive affirmations or. Um, just taking a step back from it sometimes, you know, sometimes there have been times where I've just had to like walk away from the day and do something completely different, even if it meant things aren't getting done in the business to kind of like reset. So uh, being able to do that and I think maintaining some balance, in, which is one of the biggest challenges is maintaining balance, you know, in your personal life. Sometimes it's just necessary to, you know, realize that not everything is going to get done in the day and just take a step back. It could be a, a 30 minute walk you know, with your dog or in the park and just to kind of reset everything again. Um, but the persistence, perseverance, and then also, I think, taking a break from your own business and, and networking with others in the business has been really helpful for me personally and, and talking to other small businesses and their experiences. And when you learn about their experiences, it kind of helps you to really like, okay, you know, you're having the same challenges as me. It's a different situation, but it's a similar challenge. How can we work together? Or, you know, just knowing that you're not alone is very helpful. 
That's brilliant. That's such good advice. That's such good advice. I love the bit about, yeah, like even knowing that things aren't going to get done because we, we just get, I know I sometimes get that. I'm like, no, I've got to do this, this and this. And then it's like, no, you know what? I just need to go and meditate. Or like you say, go out and get some sunshine at lunchtime for 30 minutes. And it makes such a difference. So I'm so glad you said that. It really does. It helps you to be efficient later on. Absolutely. Um, What would you say have been the key lessons that you've learned through running your business? You've been doing it for five years now, both whether they're personal, professional or both. So there might be things you've learned about yourself and others. Um, What what, what are the key, some of the key lessons that you'd say you've learned? I think I had a certain idealism when I started out about, you know, oh, you know, I can, I can be an entrepreneur and it's going to go this way and, um, you know, I'll start a chocolate company and we'll get it out there and we'll be in all the Whole Foods and, you know, had this complete idealism when I started and it, that all, you know, everything was shot down along the way. So it's kind of like, it breaks you down to a point where you feel like I can't do this and then you build back up and it makes you see all of your, um, I think it really helps to um, separate your strengths and weaknesses. I've learned, you know, back in the day when I would apply for a job, one of the key questions was, you know, what are your strengths? And then another question would be, what are your weaknesses? And I think you kind of, I don't know if you necessarily make stuff up, but you but you kind of grasp your shoulders, you're like, gosh, what is that? It makes you really think about it. But working through a business, you really learn what's your strength and what's your weakness. I feel every day you kind of automatically go through your strengths and you do that and the weaknesses go by the wayside and those are the things like for me, it's doing my books and they won't get done ever. They just keep going. So like the accounting part is not my strength. Um, or, you know, there are other components that are just not, uh, not my strength. So you learn that about yourself, but it gives you an opportunity to either um, – work on those if you have the time to work on those weaknesses and, and make them stronger so it helps you to grow as a person or you gives you an opportunity to delegate which is another which is another part of me that's not a strength at all. I have a really hard time delegating. So that's something that, that I've learned about myself that I need to be able to to do is to, to you know to, to let some things go and let somebody else do it who has the ability to do it and you know trust that it'll get done and, and that you know I don't have to try to do everything. And, you know, along with that is um, in the same vein is you have to do that because you need balance in your personal life. So for you to be happy and to, again, see clearly and and make the business run efficiently, you need to have some balance and, you know, also for your family. So, you know, one of the biggest challenges has been, and it's, it's every day, trying to find balance daily and turn off the computer at a certain time and stop doing what you're doing and not feeling like it's an urgently answer every email. So I think it's knowing when to say no, turn it off and letting people go and come back to it later. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, now, what if any expert help have you used over the years to grow your business? So I'm thinking more in terms of, you know, maybe hiring contractors, for example, for business coaching, marketing, publicity, that kind of thing. Have you used any of those? Anything? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, I wish like, I mean, I could spend days on just like coaching and and help and so so many different areas again so when I first started out through the food industry I attended I attended a lot of um, food trade shows and they would have side seminars on uh, everything from how to how to start um, you know how to begin with a startup food business where you know what to do with packaging from packaging to marketing to working with retailers 
um, Bob Burke is somebody who's uh, a big consultant in the food business, and he I've attended a couple of his, his seminars when I first started, and it would probably be really valuable to actually go back to those notes to see, you know, because sometimes you, you jump into these things prematurely, prematurely. and you use everything. Um, but it actually, you know, so it would actually be helpful probably to go back to those to see if I've followed his suggestions or maybe I could use some of his suggestions now as we're still moving into some retailers. But um, so that's one avenue. Another avenue is um, the, the two chocolate companies that I've worked with. In fact, several chocolate companies that I've worked with along the way. Um, my goal, as I mentioned before, has always been to do more of like the outreach with marketing and sales and to use Nicobella as a platform, as a, a lifestyle business for plant-based eating and compassion towards animals and, and a better environment. And so because of that, I've I've met with so many um, chocolate factories asking them, you know, if they could help us make the chocolate so that I can be free to do the other stuff. And through meeting with them and working with them, I mean, I've learned so much about chocolate. I was not a chocolate TA prior to starting the company. I was just a nutritionist. So, you know, just learning so much about the food and it's all the, the, and having such a huge respect for those in the chocolate business and what goes into them. It's part food science, part art, and then you've got the business component. So there's really, um, a lot involved and I've learned a lot from them along the way. And then there's just, um, you know, constant online seminars and, you know, in the morning I'll take my time and read through some of the, the food online um, news class and they may have five-minute little videos on, you know, how to work with a retailer or how to create packaging that pops or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's just an ongoing education that you can get through the Internet, yeah. which is very resourceful. For sure. So what I'm hearing is you're, you've done a lot of educating yourself, which is absolutely awesome. Have you ever actually, like, like say, hired a business coach or hired a marketing or PR person to do any stuff for you or not yet? Not. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've actually, um, well, through the accounting I in the past I had, I hired a somebody to help with my books initially, which now my, my mom actually does my books for me. So initially I hired somebody to do the accounting component. Um, and then I also hired initially a chef to help me with some of the formulas initially. And then finally, um, and to be honest, I... I don't even know. I feel like I, for, for anyone who's starting a, a business, I think I could have been more resourceful and not spent the money that I did in doing that, and I could have had an intern do our books because it was it was very basic bookkeeping in the beginning, instead of hiring somebody initially. And then also for the chef, I, I learned that just partnering with some chocolate, other chocolate manufacturing companies, that um, they were really willing to help reformulate some of our, our the, the initial recipes that I had. So to hire, you know, a professional chef cost a lot more than what I could have done just partnering with some chocolate manufacturers. So I probably could have saved money there. Um, but it was still very helpful, and I don't, you know, regret it. I just think now, you know, it, it, there are more resources where we could be a little bit more conservative with the money and, and just keep looking for resources, and there are lots of people who are willing to help. Marketing, um, I have not I, I, I paid somebody for a very short time to help with social media, but then I realized that um students are so savvy with social media and if they have the same interest for like I mentioned before in nutrition, 
plant-based eating, and they're already social media savvy. That they have been a great resource, and I haven't had to hire anybody for that. And then, um, although you can always use more marketing and PR and that sort of thing. Um, PR, I have not hired anybody. I've just reached out to um, magazines and, and other avenues and bloggers and as you know, new products were coming out, I would just ask them if they wanted samples or they would reach out to us and we'd send samples and that's been more organic. And um there was one other oh, I was just gonna mention something else that I did. Um and I can't remember what it was now in, in terms of, of hiring. You just asked me a question about some of you said marketing PR and I can't remember what the last one was. Uh business coaching, I think. Oh yes, it's business fitting. Thank you. Um, yeah, initially I did actually have um, we had like a when I when I first started there was a little um, uh, like new entrepreneur business meeting through our New Jersey when I started up in the Philadelphia New Jersey area. We um, they had a women's entrepreneur like symposium. And I guess they had like maybe about 15 entrepreneurs to present, and they selected a couple of entrepreneurs who would get free services, and one of them for me was um, business coaching. And it was very helpful. So I think we had about five meetings um, with business coaching, and um, so it was it was kind of a combination of business coaching and then personal balance. So it was and it was very helpful. I was I was um, getting started and I could definitely use it now as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. That's a great, great comprehensive answer there. I appreciate that. Um for those who aspire to owning their own, you know, running their own vegan business, what in your opinion are the things they need to take into account before making that jump from employment to self employed or employer? Um I think number one is um looking at the funding and carefully choosing where you're going to spend your funds. So for me personally, I, I, you know, worked until my last day as a dietitian and had money saved and, you know, I thought I had a lot of money to start out and then, but I was, but that can be very deceiving and I think it's like very, it's, looking back, I probably would have spent it in different places or saved it for, for later and having that accessible, like I mentioned before, I kind of hired a couple of people right off the bat saying, you know, I need help with, you know, making the chocolate, I need help with the accounting, and I didn't have to do that. So I think carefully choosing how you're going to delegate your funds, especially if you're bootstrapping, and then also just doing your background research um, was probably the most important thing. So for me, the chocolate company, as I mentioned to you, there, there really weren't a lot of vegan chocolates out at the time. Um, but really looking to see what's out there, what, um, what, there, you know, where there's a market and maybe doing some research in your own backyard. Um, you know, if you have a food company, go into local markets before you actually take that leap and getting, getting feedback from your local community and, you know, to see if it's really, if the business is really going to, if it's really going to work as a business before you make that leap. Fantastic. In regards to the use of the word vegan in your marketing material, so on your website, and the, the kind of the prominence of the word, because there's two schools of thoughts. One, it's limiting, you know, it's scaring some people away, or two, it's very clever niche, niche marketing. So what are your thoughts on this? And, and just tell me a bit about your choice of how you use the word or otherwise in your marketing and why. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when I first started out, everything said vegan, and I was probably shouting it out to everybody, and I was scaring so many people away at events, online, whatever it might be, and um, it was a little frustrating because, I, you know, it's just a dark chocolate company, and a lot of people at events just come up and say, oh, I'm not vegan, I can't have it, and instead of getting frustrated, I had to figure out how to better... <laughs> better get these people to, to try it, let them know, you know, educate, because the whole goal is to bring more people on board with plant-based eating. So I changed the approach and instead of blasting vegan um, all over and letting people know before they even try the chocolate, it's vegan. Um, I would say, I would just say, you know, it's dark chocolate. It's, you know, sometimes I would say it's healthy. And sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I would just say, would you like to try some, you know, some dark chocolate? And, um, and once they try it and, you know, they like it or, you know, as they're trying it, I would say, I would tell them about the qualities and the attributes and I'll say, and it's vegan, it's not dairy, you know, there's no dairy. And then they, and they went, they would be pleasantly surprised and say, oh, you know, wow, what, what makes it vegan? So then we would get into a conversation. So I've changed the approach instead of kind of being in their face saying, oh, it's vegan. And now I kind of don't let people just know it's dark chocolate. And then afterwards let them know that it's also good for them. It's healthy. It's got... You know, it's high in antioxidants, it's dairy-free, it's cruelty-free, you know, and, and once they learn that, then I feel like they're on board. Um, but also using more the term plant-based, I feel like it's a little, little bit less scary to people and doesn't put a label on it. So, like, you know, a separatist, you know, we're vegans and they're not. So everybody can eat a little bit more, you know, plant-based foods. And I think I just feel like plant-based is a little bit less intrusive and and doesn't put as much of a label on it and separate us and bring, can bring more of a, you know, a full community and, and allows people to relate a little bit more than, than the word vegan. Excellent. Excellent. Very smart. I like that. Um, so you mentioned earlier you did, you've had some success with doing a little bit of media, like getting your, your product featured um, in media. That's something you did for yourself. Can you say a little bit about that, like some of the successes that you've had? I'm sorry, what was it? Oh, about getting into media. You mentioned a little earlier that you'd had some um, success in getting in your product into the media. Oh, into the media. Um, so, um, well, you know, again, it was really when we started um, and having, it was a kind of a niche product at the time and uh, there was maybe one or two other vegan chocolate companies. So when we started with the truffles, not using any dairy and cream and whole plant based foods like blueberries and pumpkin. There were really there was really nothing out there like it. So it was a little bit easier when there was not any competition and um I basically spent my time when we did not have, you know, as many sales, I spent a lot of my time just writing to any magazine and online, whether it was online or, or print magazine, and writing letters to the editors, seeing if they would be interested in trying samples to write a review. And um, one thing I, that was a big mistake is initially I was sending chocolates without asking them if they wanted to sample them. So a lot of those chocolates, I have no idea where they went. <laughs> I'm sure that the, you know, they were just enjoying eating chocolate and they, they never got a review. So after, you know, I learned that that may not get the best response and might not get us a review, I just started reaching out and making sure that I had the right person and, and asking the editors if they would, they would be willing to feature us uh, if they liked the chocolate in, in one of their upcoming issues, whether it be for Christmas or Valentine's Day. Um, so that was one way, and then um, and then also kind of 
reaching out um, when we launched in California. So we did have access to, it's, it's amazing how small of a world it is once you start working and, and networking, but we did, you know, a lot of events in Southern California. And um, once you network, you realize that, you know, the celebrity world is, is pretty it's just all around you. So there were a couple of people like Alicia uh, Silverstone who, um, you know, new friends of ours and we were able to get her chocolate. So that was another area where we were able to, you know, have her write a blog about it or, you know, let people know about it through her social media outlets. So partnering with accessible people like that and, and using social media is another way that, that we've been able to get it out there a little bit. Brilliant. No, that's great. You're doing some, some great things there. So in terms of your current marketing strategy, it sounds like you're doing uh, a bit of that, that media, social media, um, and, and some in-store like demo or some in-person like demonstrations. Um, so which would you say are the, the mo- or which marketing strategies do you find most effective? In person, absolutely, is like the most effective until, you know, people just love stories and they love to relate. There's so much out there now. They don't relate to you that the, you know, the next people are going to and that's what wins over. So it could be a great product, but I still feel like you need a story behind the product and to educate people about the product. So in person is by far the most effective way to get the product out there. That's oh, wonderful. I love that you said that about stories. I'm actually speaking at the, we've got an animal activist, a uh, big animal activist forum coming up, and I'm actually speaking on the importance of storytelling within animal rights activism. It's so important. You know, you can have the best product in the world, but it's like you can just get that story behind it's how we connect on an emotional level. So that's that's wonderful. Um, we're nearly there. I know this is, a, this is good. We've got, we've got a couple more. We're, we're almost there. Um, with social media, what um, what social media platforms are you active on in regards to your business? Um, I still love Facebook, although a lot of people are saying Facebook's kind of gone by the way. But I do love Facebook just for building a community. Um, it's been a little bit less effective lately just because their the feed doesn't necessarily go out to as many people and they want you to pay to mm-hmm. get that information out there. So I haven't been doing that. Um, but I have been because that, that it's getting out to less people, connecting it to Twitter and Instagram and using more hashtags. I found, um, it seems to be, I'm still learning about it, to be honest with you. I was, I was so anti-computer before I started this whole thing, <laughs> but um, so I'm still learning through the interns that I've had on board have actually taught me a lot. And, um, but, but definitely connecting Facebook through Twitter and Instagram and using hashtags in the right way seemed to be helping to get more people on board. And again, for me, it's it's more about the community. I mean, I just love connecting and following other people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram who, who are in that same, who are in the same lifestyle and have the same passion. So it, it feels like it's a little bit more of a solid community building through those, through, through those three social media outlets. We use Pinterest as well, but I haven't, I haven't mastered that yet. So how to, how to get, tie all that in, but. Okay. So am I right in thinking it's more of a kind of like, as you said, community building or a brand building tool rather than getting getting sales directly from social media? Is that right? right? Yeah. And I, you know, to be honest, Katrina, like I, don't, I haven't really learned how to um, evaluate whether or not we are getting sales through social media. You know, if there's like an actual 
the, you know, if you actually get sales directly through that and, and how to maximize that. It's, it's been a work in progress, just kind of learning how to use social media for me. Um, so for me, I'm hoping that it organically, I mean, eventually if I can bring somebody on board who, who is a little bit more, who will much more web savvy than I am and can do more analytics, even if it's like on a part-time basis, whether it's through our website and social media, that would be great. I'm not there yet, but I would love to hire somebody who would be able to handle all of that and really not just an intern, but somebody who can drive the, the traffic so that, that we are getting more sales through the website and, and it's through social media. But for me right now, it's just, I'm hoping that organically through like the natural um, passions of the company that it drives more people our way just because people are going to relate to what we're doing. So that was Nicole D'Andrea from Nicobella Organics. You can find out more about Nicole at nicobellaorganics.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The success of popular New York fast food chain by Chloe continues with an announcement the eatery will open a branch in Boston this summer, reports Boston.com. By Chloe is expected to open in the Seaport District in the 101 Seaport Pricewaterhouse Coopers Building, seating 48 people and will also include an outdoor patio. Samantha Wasser, the restaurant's co-owner and creative director, told Boston.com that if this new location is successful, the brand would likely open additional outlets near the city's universities. So this is a vegan brand that's experiencing massive growth in a very short space of time and it's been featured in many high-profile business media, including Forbes. It's really helping to change the perception of vegan food in an extremely positive way, so this is exciting news. More celebrities are recognising that you can have colourful, funky and fabulous cosmetics without the cruelty. The latest is actor Jamie King of Pearl Harbor and Sin City fame. According to People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, King has collaborated with Los Angeles-based beauty brand Colourpop Cosmetics to create a travel-friendly vegan beauty collection. The new makeup kit is called Alchemy and it will be geared towards people of all races, ages and genders. It will include interchangeable items such as a combined blush lipstick and an eyeshadow blush, among others. So this looks to be a really progressive ethical makeup kit on many fronts. King told InStyle magazine she wants the products to be for the girl next door, for transgender kids, for the boy born in the wrong body and the girl born in the wrong body. This is fantastic. I really love this. And you can find out more about Alchemy at the Colourpop Cosmetics website. Florida is fast becoming one of the most vegan-friendly places in the US. Choices Cafe recently opened its fifth location in the Sunshine State, reports latest vegan news. Each spot offers a mix of healthy smoothies and salads, along with pizza, mac and cheese and other crowd-pleasing dishes. Choices, which was founded by brothers Alex and George Cuevas five years ago as a way to promote compassionate and sustainable living, now has eateries in Dade and Broward counties, four in Miami and one in Weston. And it doesn't stop there. President Lori Zito said the company's long-term plans are to open 100 outlets across the country. That's what we want. Another step closer to vegan world domination. <laughs> 
the number of searches on Google in the UK for vegan Easter eggs were at an all-time high this year, according to Google Trends data reported in The Guardian. Search interest in personalised, giant, dark chocolate and vegan Easter eggs all increased, with the fastest-growing query being for vegan. Yay for us! (laughs) The search traffic for vegan Easter eggs more than doubled from last year's Easter week. According to The Guardian, 1 in 50 Google UK searches are for vegan Easter eggs, which actually makes them a more popular search query than dark chocolate eggs, which is 1 in 100. And there's even more good news. Increased searches for vegan food are not limited to Easter eggs. There's also been a jump in the number of searches for vegan recipes in general. Excellent stuff. It's so good to see the work of vegan activists and business owners over the years in spreading the vegan message and breaking down stereotypes about vegan food start to pay off as consumers realise that you can enjoy delicious, creamy, luscious foods that are good for people, animals and planet. Finally, a vegan Persian eatery has opened in North Brooklyn, New York. Located in Bushwick's Punk Alley at the shipping container market at 867 Broadway, the name of the new space has not yet been finalised, reports the Bushwick Daily, although the business was called Star City Foods and operated mainly at vegan pop-up events before that. The menu, which is adapted from the family recipes of the business's Iranian-American owner, will feature several slow-cooked koresh or curry-like stews, in addition to daily specials which will include both Persian dishes and vegan versions of food from other cuisines. The eatery is currently planning to be open 5pm to midnight Monday through Friday and from noon until late night on Saturday and Sunday. Their long-term plans are to open 24 hours and offer delivery. In the meantime, New Yorkers and visitors to New York should head over to the Facebook page for Star City Foods to check the opening times. And this is one place I will definitely be checking out next time I'm in New York. I've got a particular interest because I was adopted as a child and my birth father is Persian and he's lived in New York since the 1970s. We met for the first time in 2012 and again last October. In fact, I stayed with him last October and he even cooked a vegan version of a Persian dish for me, which was lovely. So I'll be telling him about this place and it'll definitely be on the list for my next visit. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a review and a rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. I'm Katrina Fox from veganbusinessmedia.com and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now. 